0: Being an expert on general automotive knowledge, what would the correct ignition timing be on a 1955 Bel Air Chevrolet with a 327 cubic inch engine and a four-barrel carburetor?
1: It is a trick question. Watch this. A ship, And it wasn't offered in the Bel Air with a four-barrel carb till 64. However, in 1964, the correct ignition timing would be four degrees before top dead center. Whoa.
2: Get ready for another hour of Drive Radio, brought to you by Colorado select auto care centers. Got a question for the experts? Then give them a call, 303-477-5600. Now it's time to pop the hood and get our hands dirty. Drive Radio on KLZ 560, the source.
3: All right, we're back. This is the second hour of Drive Radio. Josh, thanks for hanging in. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Yeah, appreciate it. We got... We got three lines open, three zero three four seven seven fifty six hundred. If you have any questions, and or you can text us at three zero seven two hundred eighty two twenty two. And um, had a lot of oil questions today yeah, already. Yeah. So that's been good.
4: Yeah, it has. Yeah, talk about the BG products. You use them. We do. Yeah. Um, we use them from everything from brake fluid to, you know, all the different engine cleaning products that they have for coolant flushes. You name it. Yeah. So. I like the products. I mean, I use in all my cars, even my wife's newer car. Yeah. I'm running EP. You know,
3: and uh, I know Yeah, we used a different product, but v g s are good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you have to have something that helped break up that oil to get it out. You do. And it, and, and
4: uh, additives help. And anymore with the direct injection cars, they're just making so much carbon all the oh, time. Yeah. yeah. So that's why we use the EPR every oil change. And then we have a direct injection service that I'm doing. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, about every good. fifteen thousand miles, and right. and the cars that I do it on, you can you know you take a borescope and look down on top of the valves and see how much cleaner Clean. they are than yeah. than the other ones. It seems
3: like this carbon always seems to come back around. I mean, because we had this when the injection first started coming out. Mm-hmm. I know, like the Zs, Z, uh, the Dodsons I worked on, they were Nissan rather. Um, that tells my age. But anyway, when they you know they would uh, shoot a half a shot of the fuel needed in the back of the valve and it would sit there and just carbon up right yeah and then the and then the next time around it would open up the valve but it would send the other half then you carbon would just just become so hard and so when you first start the car it would just absorb into that carbon and then the car wouldn't want to run very good you know so and we're right back to that same thing
4: it is and i think it's just you know we're going from a a different carbon like carbon we would think is just carbon but there's different types of carbon right technically you know you know what i'm I'm saying so you get some carbon and it's just hard as a rock and others soft and gummy right and so i think what we have with the direct injection is the way the the carbon is coming out of the hydrocarbons it's a different form than what we used or what we had before so now the chemicals we were using to break it up on different cars that are non-direct injection are different than what we're going to need to break up on the direct injection cars so then we're reformulating gas and additives and all this stuff just to break it up right and just when we do that it changes the carbon it changes everything yeah yeah
3: yeah, isn't that funny? All right, we got Jim from Colorado Springs. How are you doing, Jim?
5: And Are you there? Yeah, here we are. How you doing? Okay, I'm doing great. I love your show. I've lived in Colorado for the last six years. I try to listen all the time. I appreciate I'm an you. ex-ASE master technician for a lot of years. Uh, it's fun to listen to what problems people are having and your answers. My question is, I've got a... 2009 Silverado 1500. I've had it for a couple of years. It's got almost 100,000 miles on it now. Bought it when it had 86. Everything I've read says that it has that uh, where it eliminates four cylinders going down the road sometimes. Mm-hmm. I have never felt that. I've driven the thing 13 or 14,000 miles empty, loaded. It gets good fuel mileage. Out on the road, I get 18 or 19 empty. Around town, I get 15. Am I supposed to feel something? No. When it changes? Nope.
4: Only when it's not working right.
3: Yeah.
5: <laughs> I just
3: drove from here to Green River uh, last week and never felt it. but yeah. got 20.9 miles per gallon. <laughs>
5: yeah. yeah. That was amazing. I, well, I'm real happy with the truck. It's an ex-government fleet truck.
3: Uh-huh.
5: But, uh, uh, you know, I can't... I couldn't feel anything, and many years ago when the Priuses first came out, I was, I had a, uh agency-provided vehicle, I had a Prius, mm-hmm. and you could tell when it went from gas to electric all the time. Right. Sure,
3: sure, those you can. But this thing? Nothing. Yeah,
5: this thing, I feel absolutely nothing. Right. now, Works good. Yeah. <laughs> well,
3: yeah, I have that's a... what I wanted to know. Yeah, I have a 1500, I have a 2016 GMC Sierra, and uh, I have you know, it has a display on there and it tells me when it goes into it. You can never feel yeah, this,
5: it. Yeah. Yeah. This doesn't have a this doesn't have the D C it just has a you know, it was all well, it has is a speedometer and a yeah. uh, fuel gauge and a temp gauge, but it seems to work all right. And I've read some of the horror stories about these things and I have experienced none of them. Right. So I'll, yeah. I'll just keep driving it until I have a problem, I guess. Yeah.
3: yeah, the biggest thing on that is doing the oil changes. Yeah, do the oil changes. That's and then have the, you know, uh, we were just talking about BG additives, you know, to to have it, you know, put an additive in there to break up the oil before you do the oil change yeah. and mm-hmm. then put an additive in after you do the oil so that when the oil, it'll last longer. And, and uh, just do your oil changes on the regular scheduled time and use a good filter. You know, that's the big key Yeah, on I, at,
5: I like exactly. Napa stuff, so I, I'm i using the Napa Premium filter when I can get it, or at least a gold. Yes. And I've changed the oil on this thing about four times since I got it, just because of the I didn't know the history that well. Sure. Uh, it was in a dealer uh, out in Delta every, every year for its annual checkup, and I saw all that. But I think it was maintained by the fleet, too, and there's no records of that. So I changed the oil a lot just because it was new to me. Right. It seems to work good. Doesn't make any noise.
3: That's good. That's good. (laughs) Yeah, the biggest problem with those is that the oil passages would plug up, and then that's what causes the problems on those. Yeah,
4: that's why if you run the EPR before the oil change and put an MOA with it and a good filter and and good oil, I haven't seen any issues on those ones. It's always the ones that just were neglected that we have the issues on.
5: Yeah, well, I've read horror stories, and, and I knew about it before I bought the truck, but the thing was so clean and it had a maintenance history. I thought, well, I'll be fine. Yeah. And right. so far, I have been. Yeah. That's All right. Great. Well, that's what I needed, guys. All right. Thank you. Thank
3: you. With that, we got three lines open: three zero three four seven seven fifty six hundred. Give us a call. I got Josh here from Boulder, and uh, he'd love to answer your questions. I and uh, um, I don't know if you've heard, but there's a new law coming out. You know, I used to own a tow company, and so and we were talking on Fix It Radio before this. About um, towing, mm-hmm. th- that's going to change, and it, and it used to be if a vehicle, well, even at your shop, if a vehicle is just left there and you want to get rid of it, right? There, there is a process you can go through to get rid of those vehicles. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- you you got to sign up as a shop um, with the state, and then and then you can get into the web access to where you can look up whose vehicle that is and where you got to send the registered letters. But if if a homeowner had a problem, and he has a vehicle sitting in his property and or he's going to sell his property and a renter and the renter left and left his vehicle he can write a letter saying i own the property i am the property owner and um, i need this vehicle removed and he gives a vin number and we would show up and with the tow company and we could pick up that car but we would have to first call the police and they would verify that it's um not stolen okay and that is you know what reason is it there they would probably want to know and then, they w- then we could tow it off, and we'd take it to our shop, and then within the first 10 days, we have to send a certified letter out. Well, they're changing that law around hmm. to where um, it's going to be very difficult to get those cars removed, unfortunately. And we were talking about HOAs and stuff like that. So uh, I'm curious how that goes through because the way it's been working, it's been – I thought it was okay, but a lot of people are saying that it isn't, and I don't understand because, you know, we had – we had to do our due diligence to find out who owned, owned that it. vehicle to get it back to that owner. Right. And if they don't want it, then now we have to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And some of these things, like campers, are the worst. <laughs> yeah. And, and oh, my gosh, because we would get those towed in, and you can't get rid of those. You can't take them to the dump. And the dump won't take them, but they're mostly wood. Mm-hmm. And then you, where do you take them? Because the crusher doesn't want them.
4: That wasn't enough metal for him. Yeah.
3: No. So it's been a tough one. So, well, we got some lines filling up, so let's go ahead and go to Cole from Centennial. How you doing, Cole?
6: Uh, doing all right.
3: What can we help you with? I got up.
6: Yeah, I got a 2017 Dodge Ram pickup, and uh, the uh, motor on the uh, window on the driver's side is going bad, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Other windows work great. And I don't like working on cars. I used to do it a long time ago, back when the things were easy. Um, so I just want to know how much is that going to cost me to get that thing replaced? Um, what kind of place should I take it to, and so on?
3: Uh, where are you in Centennial? Um,
6: actually, I'm sorry. I'm on the I'm on the I'm in Highlands Ranch, just right on the border there, um, on County Line Road.
3: North, east, west. Um, Are you east or west of the highway? You're probably I'm
6: sort of near. I'm uh, near 470 and University.
3: Okay. Well, you're split because there's a place in Parker Extreme Auto Repair, and then there's one off of Santa Fe, off of Bowles in Santa Fe, by Rapid uh, Community think, College.
6: Yeah, it sounds like the one. Ex- Extreme Auto Repair. That yeah. sounds like yeah. Yeah, that's in 70. Parker.
3: Yeah, you. You're, okay. They're just at 10274 South Dransfeld Road. Okay. And you could okay. go to the website drive-radio. Com and Radio. look up sponsors Colorado Select, and you'll see them. Or you could just okay. type in Extreme Auto Repair, Inc. Okay. And it'll pull them up. Okay. And they. And they actually. What? I don't know if they still have it. I'm going to look. Um, We used to have a – I used to own the place and sold it to them. And, yeah, you can still – can you go in there and get an estimate? Yeah, they have a thing. You can do an estimate right off the – right on the website. And you just put in detail service. You just put in the year, your make, model, engine, trim, um, and then you just hit, and it will take you through, and you continue. It will ask for mileage. And then it will give you an estimate. Yeah. Okay. And then you can and then are those Go ahead.
6: Yeah, I was gonna just say, are those parts I know a lot of parts are hard to get right now. Or are those things kind of uh
3: Not sure till we look it up, yeah. to be honest yeah. with you.
6: That's where we're
4: at.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they'll be able to tell you. They'll be honest with you.
6: Okay. Okay. Right. Sounds good, thank you.
3: Thank you. All right.
6: Uh huh. Bye.
3: Bye. All right, Bernie and Randy, you guys hang in there. We're gonna take a quick break. You're listening to Drive Radio on KLZ 560.
7: Take advantage of Gino's European car special on your Audi, Volkswagen, or BMW. This month, save $30 on any repair or maintenance of $300 or more. For over 38 years, Gino's auto service has been serving customers along the front range. Geno's works on American, Asian, and European models. At Geno's, we are big believers in catching problems before they start. By following your manufacturer's recommended service dates, you will keep your car performing and get the most out of your vehicle. To make your life simpler, Geno's offers loaner vehicles so you can drop your car off and pick up when ready. Take advantage of Gino's European car special this month and save $30 on any repair or maintenance of $300 or more. We're AAA approved and located at Bowles and Platte Canyon. Stop in or visit us online at GinosAutoservice.com. That's Geno's with a J.
2: Your next oil change could change the life of your vehicle forever. If you think that's a tall order, maybe you've been getting the wrong oil change. A BG Performance oil change BG. comes with a lifetime of engine and fuel system coverage, and something else, peace of mind. Where do you find it? Find a shop in your neighborhood at BGfindashop.com, that's BGfindashop.com, because an oil change that offers a lifetime of peace of mind is a change worth making.
8: BG. Do you know what to do in a traffic stop? Kevin Flesh would like to give you a few tips to help keep you and your passengers safe. If you are being pulled over for a traffic violation, slow down and put on your hazards. Find a well-lit location that is out of the lane of traffic. Keep your hands on the wheel where the officer can see them and be polite. Don't say anything and don't give any information than is asked. If you feel it's necessary, record the traffic stop and then if you need any legal help, call Kevin Flesh at Flesh Law Firm. Kevin is our legal eagle and is an expert in traffic altercations and accidents. So put this number into your phone: 303-806-8886. You can also find Kevin online at fleshlawfirm.com, Kevin Flesh, Flesh Law Firm and proud sponsor of Drive Radio.
3: Okay, we're back. Bernie and Randy, thank you for holding, we'll go right to the lines. Bernie, how you doing?
10: Yes, uh, I have a question on Octane. Uh, I'm sure you guys have been through this before. I have a 17 Accord and a 95 Miata, Mm -hmm. and I know the Miata requires 86. Will the uh, computer make up if we use the 85, or is there any kind of possibility of damage to the engine when you run it lower?
4: Just lack of performance. The knock sensor will pick up and adjust. And adjust. And usually though that was eighty seven at sea level. So eighty five out here is the equivalent of eighty seven basically.
3: Yeah, we have better fuel up here. It it has to be because of lack of oxygen. Mm -hmm. So okay. So you probably won't have that much of a problem at all. And and like I say, the, like he was saying, like Josh was saying, the the computer is going to adjust all that. If it starts hearing the knock sensor, or the s- knock sensor starts going off, the computer will adjust that.
10: I see. So yeah. would it be better to run the 87 anyway?
4: I would. Or,
3: yeah.
10: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah.
4: I mean, especially yeah. uh, the Miata's not turbocharged, but any high-performance motor, the yeah. second you pour a lower octane in, you can usually feel it pretty quick. Feel it. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. And the other thing that happens is if you're using the other stuff, the, the 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 lower, it'll start building up some uh, carbon mm-hmm. that we were talking oh, about, and so okay. that's not good either. Yeah. And on those two cars, I would run some uh, BG through that. I would, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So
4: 44K is what we put in the gas tank on those, and it okay, helps 44K. break up that carbon. And you can get yeah. that at Napa. But I would, you know, every oil change, put a 44K in. That's what we usually do.
10: Okay. And how often do you put the 44K in?
4: About every oil change.
10: Every oil change. Okay. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thanks for clearing that up again. You <laughs> <No problem. laughs> bet. Thank you, guys. You Thank bet. Thank you.
3: All right. With that, let's go to Randy. How you doing, Randy?
11: Hey, doing great. Love your show. I've been a long-time listener. Oh, uh, good. Had some uh My question is, is I have a 1972 uh, 240Z Datsun. Okay. And I've had some frustrations on trying to find uh, people to work on them. Uh-huh. And uh, I, uh, years ago, used Wheels of Fortune down in Littleton. Oh,
3: sure. He.
11: He passed away. I uh, can't remember his name. But but I was want a recommendation of, of a, a mechanic or even somebody that would restore, you know, disease.
3: Hmm. Trying to think who would I know. I'm going to have to give that one some thought. Um, hmm. You know what? If you email John, <laughs> this is going to be a roundabout. Yeah. He'll email me, then that will give me some time to 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 think, uh, put my think on, I used to work on those when I was, I started in the Datsun world. So, right, yeah, uh,
11: yeah. Because I'm not a mechanic. I mean, I'm a, I have some mechanical skills, but I'm not a me- you know mechanic. So I've been thinking those two. Uh, I have uh, SUs on there.
3: Yes, and that's uh, good.
11: Had those. They're they're brand new now. I mean, I had a this guy in Ohio rebuilt them and polished them all up so they're brand new so i'm excited about getting those on but uh,
3: you haven't put them on yet
11: no not yet i my uh, wife's honeydew list is pretty long so yeah so you have the hitachis
3: on still yes yeah those are those do not work up here and if you drive them around eventually they'll just start flooding yeah Uh,
11: i put uh smaller jets in them but i thought yeah
3: it doesn't help yeah. Does it? No.
11: So what, are you suggesting Weber's or?
3: No, the SU's. If you can put the SU's okay. on, those are the ones that will work. They came probably with Hitachi's.
11: Yeah, that's what I have is Hitachi's.
3: Yeah. But the yeah. SU's are the rounded ones, the rounded domes. Uh,
11: yeah, they are, three-screw rounded dome.
3: Yeah.
11: Hitachi. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and then I, like I said earlier, I put in a, some, a smaller uh, needle Okay. Yeah. So I figured that would help with the, the air and fuel mixtures.
3: Yeah, it does. And you just got to make sure that right. they're balanced really well. That's right, right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, All right. Well, now,
11: so email uh, John. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's just yeah, John at drive-radio.com. And then right. um, just said. Uh, when you do that, just say, "Can you send this to Dennis?" Because I okay. do, I do yeah. know one guy, but I, I'm not sure I'm supposed to say him over the air. So,
11: yeah. Okay. I, I know the one guy, up, uh, I think it's Rally Sports. No. Up in uh, Westminster. Yeah. I don't know. He's a he, he's more into racing though.
3: Yeah. So I know another one. All right. So yeah, just email John, and I'll have him get and have him send that to me, and I'll get it. Okay?
11: okay cuz they're they're fun to drive.
3: Actually, actually, let's do it this way. Just have Larry um I'm going to have him put you back on hold, give Larry okay. your phone number, and then I'll call you right. after afterwards, okay? And I'll tell you. Great. All right. All right. appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. All right. Uh with that, let's go to Greg and Cheyenne. How you doing, Greg?
12: Hey there. How you doing, guys? Great show. Great show. Always. Thank love you. It. Uh, I have a uh, a 2010 Silverado 1500 that I bought just over a year ago um, at, (laughs) I know you're, I'm trying to behave myself and not name this, some mammoth Chevy dealer in Fort Collins, Um, but um, uh, it had, I bought it in November and Mm -hmm. uh, 20, it was cold as hell. And I never had occasion to drive it with the windows down. And when I get back up here to Cheyenne, uh, I've got a window down and uh, you know that noise of metal to metal in your trunk and your uh, rear brakes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they sold me this thing. I mean, these, these boneheads. Um, but I am a, a lifelong car guy, um, mechanic, engine builder, worked in the trade back in my scuffling days, um, I gave it a and this is something I would have done anyway. This this thing is 150,000 mile uh, one owner cream puff, just gorgeous. Uh, but I would, you know, I would in this case I'm, I'm going to go through and and do all sorts of stuff that maybe doesn't even need doing, you know, um, just to be thorough. That's just my nature. Um, so, I, but the brakes obviously needed needed attention. So I did a full job: drums, shoes all of the hardware, every single bit of the hardware um, and um, get it all back together and cruise around the neighborhood. Oh, this is great. Oh man. Sure. Glad I got this done. And I thought this was, this was, uh, uh, I think I've only got about 800 miles, um, uh, since I did this job, but almost immediately, when you get out on the, oh, on the larger surface streets and you're stopping from, from 45 miles an hour or so, you got this mild shuddering in the truck, as it, and it's the same feeling you get when you know when you're on washboarded pavement.
10: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
12: Okay. Uh, that mild shuddering, and uh, uh, I've gone out and tried, found myself a nice stri- straight, flat, straight stretch of road in the boonies where where I can see there's no one around, and I've done some serious crash stops from from relatively high speeds and the brakes work perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh the ABS is not lighting up or anything. Um and you know, I bought this thing as a tow vehicle and and uh so events just put all manner of things on hold for us and uh so all I've done with this truck since I did these brakes and since I bought it is just putts around town. It's a grocery getter. So I'm not not too concerned about something falling apart. Um with the driving hand do however i i'm uh, your thoughts here please i am beginning to suspect that this is not not the brakes themselves, it's the tires uh it's got a real nice set of Goodyear. Um, mud um snows on it mm-hmm. um i'd say all all seasons, but on close inspection, they are old i mean they look great. Fine tread depth and so forth, but um, you can see all the way around the bead. That's fine cracking,
13: even right. down yeah.
12: in, in the tread. But the bottom of the tread, they are cracked. They need replacement. They—they they must, as I say, this thing one owner. And, um, I mean these must be. These may be the original tires. I don't know.
3: Well, is it right. when think? when you're having this problem? Is it when you're braking, or just, or is it all the time?
12: Well, when you're braking, as you brake. Okay.
3: Okay, did you do anything and with the fronts?
12: No, I didn't touch it okay did, looked, do you feel so the I've steering looked wheel jump
3: back and forth when you do this when you hit the brakes and no nope.
0: no nope? no nope, not at all.
3: so it's probably in the back then Could be. that's do you yeah. do, what you almost can do is if you can find a road that has no one else on it and it's smooth and stuff you got to kind of grab the emergency brake cable release, and i oh gosh, is that one on the pedal It's the pedal yeah. So well yeah. it still works. You could just go down the road and hit your brake, your E brake, and see if it does that. Da-da-da-da-da, and feel that. And if and then you've got to quickly release it because you don't wanna you uh-huh. know. But if see if that <laughs> if that the situation, because it could be the drums out around mm-hmm. or it could be a, a U joint that's bad right. in the back. Um you know, have you checked your U joints on that?
12: Uh yeah visibly yeah i mean i've done done visuals i've been under there plenty um well everything seems fine i mean it's it's remarkable the pristine condition of this thing but Uh, it doesn't mean it doesn't it could have a
3: bad u-joint too
12: right
14: well okay yeah
12: Um, as i say i i did i have done these stops from 70 miles an hour plus uh on a lonely flat smooth road um and i don't we don't get it then and, and I'm wondering. Okay, back to the tires. Yeah, it they're could be fully warmed up, and and so I'm hard on the brakes on these on the tires that are far more pliable. They're being warmed up, uh, and I don't feel it. As I say, it stops like a dream. I just, you know, I was I was kind of apprehensive. I worked my way up from 50, 60, 70 plus with these hard hard stops, mm-hmm. and it it, it stops. Fine, st- I mean, absolutely dead true. Um, not so, a problem. Um,
3: so, is it more at a certain speed? As you're telling me, is because you said 45 before?
12: Well, yeah. At at lower speeds, when I'm just when I'm uh, putzing around town, um, and um, hmm. I one thing one thing I've been intending to do is to haul my uh, haul my ancient carcass out of bed. Um, at a real early hour in the morning, when when it's been sub zero overnight, and um, take a drive and see if see see how bad it is then. That is wondering if the you know if the tires are just half frozen at this point, well, whether it's going to be substantially worse. You know, that, and going back to the drums, however, uh, brand new of course everything yeah. as I said. Um, I I as I say I, um, I'm a lifelong wrench turner. I'm a boomer, and I started turning, turning wrenches when I was about 12. I've worked in the trade uh, in my scuffling days and so forth. And we used to, uh, in the shop I worked in, um, regardless, a new drum, we'd, we'd chuck it up on the lathe and just...
4: Machine it then.
12: Kiss yeah. it with the tool and make, make sure, you know, if, it, if it's a little bit out of round, it's going to show up. If, if not, you know, fine. Um, and so I bought these drums... And uh, stopped by one of the local break shops here and asked them, told them what I was doing. And said, you know, should, uh, should I have you guys turn these things just for shits and grins? Um, and they, they said, nah, don't waste your money. We mm-hmm. never do. Uh, yeah, you don't normally you have to do off. that. What, what
3: I would do is it, almost start with the tires, yeah. since you know you need tires. I would go ahead and put tires on and see what happens.
4: And where's your tire pressure at? Is it spot on with the door sticker, or are they you know? Or are they high? High. Because I've had yeah. that when they're when they're overinflated. You so, know, it's like a basketball yeah, when yeah. you have it overinflated, how it bounces too much. The yeah. tires will do the same. No,
12: yeah. so I I'm a total stickler for pretty much everything. Yeah, 35 pounds, and you know I check my tires like at least once a week. Uh, Okay. So I know they're dead on, um, and, and you know, they, speaking of the, the, let's say they are. Let's say these tires are eleven years old. Um, I always thought that that in the very fine print on the tire sidewall, right at the bead, somewhere in all that little printing, you could tell the it's going to name the year of manufacture.
4: Yes, the DOT. I don't see
12: that on these tires.
4: It should have DOT, and then it should yeah. have. You know when it was manufactured plus its serial number. Yeah. It should say and, DOT. Oh.
3: And if it's seven years or older, that's gonna be a problem.
4: Yeah. Yeah. They, they,
12: and I, you know, I put I put that I put the put off worrying about the tires because you know I bought this thing as a tow vehicle and you know all the all the plans about uh, towing stuff have been really <laughs> yeah. moved way back obviously so. As I say, it's a grocery getter. Yeah. But um, Yeah, when you uh,
3: when you look at the code, you're gonna see uh you're gonna see four digits and the first two are gonna be the week it was manufactured and the second one's gonna be the second two are gonna be the year. Mm-hmm. And if it's within seven years oh. you need to replace the tires. I hate to cut you off, Greg, but we gotta go to a break. So um, Okay. Well, all right, very Thanks for calling, and we appreciate it. we got three lines open, 303-477-5600. You're listening to Drive Radio on KLZ 560.
9: Hello, Drive Radio listeners. This is Chris Hammond with Ken's and Leslie, distributing your local BG Products distributor. Back again this week with your BG Tech Tip. This week, we're going to talk about allergies. Because if you're anything like me, the changes of the seasons bring about plenty of new watery eyes and runny noses. Sure. Plenty of these allergies come from the trees and the grasses outside, but what about the allergens in your car? Have you ever turned on your car fan and noticed a funky smell? You see, mold, fungus, and bacteria can form in the evaporator or the cabin air filter, leading to the presence of additional allergens and unpleasant odors in your car. Fortunately, these germs and odors can be eliminated. Visit your car care professional and ask them for a BG climate control service. This will kill the harmful germs and remove the nasty smells and help keep the air in your car safe and comfortable to breathe year-round. Thanks again, Drive Radio listeners. This is Chris Hammond with BG. We'll talk to you again next week.
1: That's 303
14: 662 RanchFreshMeats.com has added some great steak grilling options for you to try this spring. Bison tomahawk steaks, Morgan Ranch Wagyu tomahawk steaks, and Colorado certified Angus choice beef tomahawk steaks. A tomahawk is the industry name for a bone-in ribeye. The bone is left extra long and frenched back to the eye of the ribeye. It makes for a very impressive plate presentation, and the meat cooked with the bone left in is delicious. You'll spend well over $120 to enjoy one of these steaks at a restaurant. Now get the same taste at a better price at ranchfreshmeats.com. Check out the video tab for a demonstration on how to best grill your tomahawk steaks like professional chefs do at the steakhouses. Try all three tomahawk steaks this spring and decide which one is your favorite. Remove the mystery of where your meat comes from. Buy from RanchFreshMeats.com
3: Okay, we're back. You're listening to Drive Radio. We've got three lines full, but as soon as one opens up, we'll let you know. So let's go ahead and go to Mark. You've got a question about trailers?
0: Yes, uh, good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good. I'm very new to trailers, in fact. This is my first one. And I talked to John a while ago about rental trailers, and he was right, as usual. I just spit the bullet and bought a brand new one. It's, I won't get it until June, but okay. I'm doing my research. Okay. So here's what I've got. have got a Porsche 911 that's 3,100 pounds, trailers 3,400, and I'm towing it with a 2018 Tahoe, which has got very little mileage on it. So we got 6,400 pounds. I think the, the tow rating for the tow hole will be fine. I don't think there's an issue for that. Okay.
3: What's your question then?
0: The question is a thing called a weight distribution spring. When do you know you need one of those and what does it actually do?
3: Well, it kind of. Um it kind of levels it out everything and then when the trailer starts to sway it'll kind of hold it from swaying back and forth. Um, okay. If you if you if your trailer gets kind of squirrely and stuff, but I think you'd have better sense when you set that up what you want to do is put a level on the tongue mm-hmm. to make sure it's totally level. That that your trailer's not dipping down into the vehicle and the vehicle's not lifting the trailer up. And it's so tandem
0: after you put it on the vehicle right you make sure that it is level right how do you adjust how do you adjust the the tunnel to be level
3: well you do it with the hitch itself you would say well this is where size them i need my hitch to be or where it needs to be and then then if that doesn't work you can get air spring you know shocks or leveling um i got like uh um, these airbags Airbags. Yeah. yeah and it lifts up my back of my truck to make sure everything's level and stuff. Because if, you know, I just went to Green River and on the way there, there was people pulling trailers and you could just watch them going back and forth, back and forth, just swinging all over the place. And that's what you don't want to happen. You don't want that trailer swaying back and, and so forth. you see
0: that, when you see those tires kind of up in the air, I, I know that <laughs> that's not the right approach. <laughs> yeah. Right.
3: Did you get a trailer, it's a camping trailer? Is that what it is?
0: No, no, no. I got myself specifically a car hauler. I got the, eighteen footer with all the options the door that drops to the bottom with the okay. ramp that goes completely flat okay um, okay and it's a I, that I means it's myself, a tandem you know axle right pardon me it is it is tandem yeah yeah
3: yeah that'll be even easier to make it level um okay yeah but if if you when you put that on there and your car's sagging down and you can see the trailer dipping down, then you need to fix that and and one way is airbags I put airbags on mine, and that works so nice. Because then you just put air in it a little bit, and then you'd let the air out when you don't need it.
0: Yeah. This truck I ordered with the towing package, the electric brake controller Uh on the inside. Yep. And and usually when you buy the
3: trailer, usually when you go to them, they sometimes help set up Mm -hmm. your truck to make sure it's right.
0: Okay. Well, like I said, I'm new to this, and I said, you know what, I'll just... Uh, buy a new trailer and sell it with the car if I ever sell the car. There you go. And, uh, because this car is 25 years old now, it's the last year the air-cooled 911s. Uh Uh-huh. So, I just didn't want to put an expensive car on a rental trailer. It just scared me to death. (laughs) Sure, (laughs) sure.
3: But that's how you would set it up, so.
0: Okay. All right. I'll just take it one step at a time. Like I said, I'm learning this. It's new to me. I just don't want to have any problems when I'm out.
3: Yep. Yeah, when you're driving with the trailer, the one thing you got to watch out for is everybody else. Yeah. Because they don't care that you have a trailer. They just want to get in front of you if you have a trailer. That's what they always do. And then they don't realize that you can't brake as fast as they can. So you got to keep a distance between you.
0: So that plunger situation I push on the interior, I'll go to a parking lot, and you push on that thing to the positive until you start feeling a, the trailer dragging, correct?
3: Yeah, but they should, when the People that you buy the trailer from should help you set that up.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, I'm just uh, like I said, I'm asking questions because, like I said, I'm new to this, and the more information I have, interesting, I found out. I bought this this uh, block system, and it's coming next week. So if you get a flat tire on your trailer, you just pull up on it, and it raises up the tire that's flat, and you can change it. It's just five weighs five pounds. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, you just you can put it underneath the, the good tire. It'll pull up the bad one, and then you just back off and get after you change the tire. And the thing—it's a polymer plastic that weighs five pounds. It's Amazing. That's,
4: all right. And that's that's always the thing so, with trailers—is nobody ever maintains them. It seems yeah, like. Yeah. I, every year you want to check those wheel bearings and make sure those tires aren't dry rotted and properly inflated.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I bought a brand, I bought a brand new trailer. I wasn't gonna. By somebody else's
4: problem <laughs> yeah. right right but you know now being a new owner each year just remember you know set a set a date and and just do those few little things on it
3: that's what i do to my trailers before every spring i go through my bearings repack them check the tires check the wiring make sure everything because because even if they're sitting no matter where they're sitting they'll something will chew the wires mm-hmm. they always yeah. seem to find the trailer wires they do. so
0: all right Okay, thank you, John. Have a good day. appreciate the information. All right, Mark, take
3: care. All right, with that, John and Eric, if you guys can hang on, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Drive Radio on KLZ 560.
0: Arvada West Auto & Truck has been serving all of Western Arvada, Golden, and Wheat Ridge for more than 40 years, and they're proud to keep their customers' vehicles on the road. After starting out as a small gas station, they moved into their current building in 2004 at 11752 West 64th Avenue. Arvada West is a Napa Gold Shop, a designation only a few in the nation receive. And after 40 years of service, Arvada West Auto & Truck achieved the Napa Auto Care Shop of the Year, for the Rocky Mountain Division of Napa. They'd be thrilled to welcome you to their family. Stop by or call, Arvada West Auto and Truck, 11752 West 64th Avenue, just west of Sims, or call them at 303-422-1065. Okay,
3: we're back. And we got one line open, 303-477-5600. You're listening to Drive Radio. And let's go right to the phones. Let's go to... It's uh, John from Castle Rock. How you doing, John?
13: Hey, uh, I'm doing all right. How you guys doing?
3: Good. Doing good.
13: Hey, I got an 03 Lincoln town car mm-hmm. that the engine light says uh, fuel tank pressure sensor. Now, I'm trying to find this pressure sensor to see if it's something that I might be able to do or I have to take it to a shop. And in my research... I can't seem to find any place on the on the internet that shows me where if this is in the tank above the tank, in the fuel line someplace, or where it might be. Do you guys uh, have any idea?
4: Usually, it's on top of the what we call the fuel pump module. So the fuel pump, the float, and that fuel or evap pressure sensor are all like one unit that goes in the top of the tank.
13: It, that's on top, of, but it's not in the tank. It's on top of. It's on top, of, it, the on tank. top of the tank.
4: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
13: Okay, so the, so the labor part of that is dropping that tank, it is. I suppose, and changing the, the sensor is probably just a few minutes, but uh, that tank has ca- caused us a lot of more time, I suppose.
4: It does, and usually if I, you get that code, I would change the whole fuel pump module. So fuel pump float, and they usually come with that sensor on all the good modules and just change it as one assembly because by the time – you drop the tank and put that on and put it back up. Next thing you know, the fuel pump's going out or the, the level in the tank won't read correctly. And it's usually cheaper to buy the whole thing sometimes than to try and buy that sensor by itself. Yeah,
3: because well, by I the time you do that, that
4: you'll have to replace
3: the fuel pump. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I
13: know. It. I understand that. It, and uh, But but it's, it's in the back there. It, it's on the top of the tank. Mm-hmm. And, uh, okay, uh, that gives a real good idea. Uh can you th- is this about a two- or three-hour labor job, or do you have any idea?
4: It would be probably around in there. depends on how rusty it is, though, too. Sometimes we get in there, and the, the tank straps are rusted, and yeah. the exhaust, yeah. you have to drop the exhaust, and next thing you know, that's coming yeah. apart. <laughs> the, yeah. and all the, it would the, be an
13: 3 I don't imagine those it's, both will be real easy to take off. So.
4: No, not anymore. Now they're yeah. almost 20 years old, they're starting to get to be a... A little bit of a treat to take apart. Okay. As soon as we
3: tell you it's like a two-hour job, something will <laughs> happen, it will turns it into four. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly yeah.
13: You know, uh, That's why I said two to three, you know, it's yeah. going take an hour or so, you know. yeah. but uh, yeah.
0: um,
13: All right, uh, that helps out a lot, so I appreciate it. All
0: right, um,
3: thank you. With that, we've got two lines open, 303-477-5600. Eric from Denver, how are you doing, Eric?
17: Hey, you guys, pretty good. Great show you got. Well, thank, thank you. you. Um, sir, I have a 1979 Le Mans and it has a 231 V6 and it has an air pump and there's a PCV valve way back at the passenger side of the engine, clear, it's butted up against the back wall, you know, right under the, uh, windshield and the grommet is as hard as a rock. I can't even grab it to even pull it out. And my question is, if I on the passenger side of the car there's a hose that goes from the valve cover to the car, can I jury rig one right there? Would that work or would that would it no. not do nothing?
3: No, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Just replace the one you have. And sometimes you can get that rubber mm-hmm. if it's if it's hard, it will be hard. Yeah. When you're talking but, about a seventy nine, you know, you gotta think about how old that car is. And right. You you can. I would go to Napa and have them give you the PVC PCV valve and the rubber right away, and then go uh-huh. to the car and just break the rubber off if you can to get the valve out. If you have to, just use a pair of channel locks and it'll come out.
17: Well, I can't. It's so far up against the back wall. Yeah. I can. I tried a, a zillion times. The uh, the only thing I can think of is to stick a screwdriver in there and literally break it, but the pieces right. will go yes. into the motor, though,
4: won't they? Or- they can. They can. Yeah. yeah, so the other option is to pull the valve cover Yeah. and do it on the bench. Yep. Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to break, and the it rubber is going to drop it in. Yep. Sometimes you can get yeah. in there with needle-nose pliers and pick all the pieces out. Yeah, but, but that's hard. It's hard to do. Yeah. It'd so be, I, well,
3: I like Josh's idea of taking out the valve cover. That's the best way to go about it.
4: And and when you get rubber that's well, really hard like that too, you can kind of take a propane torch and just kind of get it warm, and sometimes the rubber will become pliable again, yeah. and you'll be able to pull it out. Yeah. But I, if you do it on the car, it's not really going to work. I no. I I'd plan on getting the valve cover off.
3: Yeah. So you'll need a valve cover well, gasket too.
4: Exactly.
17: Well, well, it's it's actually it's screwed into the block. It, it's go under the uh, windshield. It's way in the back of the motor. Uh, I, I don't know why they put it there. But <laughs> I
3: don't know if he's talking about the valve, the PCV valve, then.
4: The backfire preventer on the, on See, the this, pump side?
17: This is weird, the way they built this. It's clear uh, there's an orifice in the block, mm-hmm. and the valve, uh, the grommet goes into the block, and the top of the PCV valve sticks straight up. And it's way, way in the back of the motor. I can barely even get to it. I have no idea why they put it there. But um, my other question was, is there some kind of acetone or something I can put that would just dissolve it? Um, would, no. would that work?
3: No. No. Hmm. no.
17: So you you don't want to put chemical in there to, to get it out then? Huh? No. Okay. Mm. Other yeah, nev- than that.
3: Go ahead.
4: Yeah, I've never dealt with that. one. I see where it's at, yeah, behind the carburetor right against the firewall, but I have I've never dealt with that one before. But
3: does it go into the valve cover?
4: No, it doesn't. It goes it looks into like it's the going block. Manifold. Yeah. Then it you can't get a wrench into back into the there block. to get to it?
17: I I can't get back there. I can't. It is so close.
3: You'd have to take the carburetor off. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah.
17: Well, well, um it, it's, it's not where the carburetor is. It's on the, no, on the it's, passenger No, but it's behind the carburetor, the, though. Well, yeah, it's behind the carburetor, but the carburetor is not really in the way. It, it's uh, towards the uh, end of the block on the passenger side. If you took the carburetor out, you still couldn't get to it, even if you took the carburetor out.
3: Hmm. But
17: uh, I have no idea why they put that there. Is there any other place I could put it? I'd uh, like Jerry, no. rig it up with some hoses. No,
3: I wouldn't do that.
17: Oh, yeah. because it'll mess up your mileage, you mean? Or?
3: No, it just, I, I don't like remanufacturing things like that. Oh, Because they, they did it They did it the way they needed to do it at the time, and it works best there. So Okay,
17: let me ask you this. It, it, it doesn't work. Well, what is the effect on your engine if it, it? It's been like that for years. I drive it, but well, does does it reduce your mileage or? Well, what does that do if it's if it's clogged and it doesn't work?
3: Well, you have no ventilation for your crankcase. That's it's the positive crankcase ventilation valve is what it's called.
17: Oh, I see. Yeah. So that means the car will run dirtier then, correct?
3: Yeah,
4: pretty that, much. That you know has to relieve the the pressure the pressure someplace, so it's going to blow out valve cover gaskets or. Somewhere it has to, you know, get rid of that pressure if it's clogged.
17: Right. So if if I if I drill some holes in the valve cover, would that ventilate? No, no,
3: no, 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 no. no.
4: Because then you go, yeah, you have a leak.
3: Yeah. You don't want to do that. Oh, you you mean
17: you mean the oil will leak out of them? You Mm -hmm. mean? Yeah. Oh
4: yeah. Yeah. And with that clogged, it's going to come out with pressure. (laughs) It's going to come, you know, want to come flying out of there. So.
17: Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, so I probably would have to get a mechanic
3: to do it then, wouldn't I? Yeah, yeah. Yep. that'd be best.
17: Yep. So they would probably have to figure out some way to get it out.
3: Yeah, they will. Um, they will. We find yeah, a okay. way.
17: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you guys. Well, thanks a lot. This is kind of a weird one. Yeah, All right. Thank you. You have a good day. Okay, goodbye.
3: Bye. All right. With that, we got three lines open: three zero three four seven seven fifty six hundred. We'll go ahead and. Uh, well, we got a few minutes here. Um, yeah, I. Sometimes you know the best thing to do is to bring the car in and let the technician figure it out.
4: Yeah, and sometimes we just have to see it. Yeah, you
3: know. yeah, and then and there's, sometimes we have wrenches that can get in there and get it. And, yeah, I thought he mentioned it was in the valve cover. That was my bad.
4: Yeah. It's a, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, distributor wrench or something like that. We yeah, you never know. There. Yeah,
3: crow's foot. Crow's foot, so some, exactly. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we do have three lines open, 303-477-5600. What we'll do is we'll go ahead and take a break. You're listening to Drive Radio on KLZ 560.
4: Still haven't had enough? Go to drive-radio.com, email your questions and comments, download previous programs, and find lots of useful information, including your nearest Colorado Select Auto Care Center. That's drive-radio.com. Thanks for listening to Drive Radio, sponsored by the member shops of Colorado Select Auto Care
0: Centers on KLZ 560.